Welcome to the first episode of One Piece at a Time, the episode-by-episode Netflix One Piece show that I am doing very, very slowly with a rotating guest. This is the first episode, which has been on our Patreon for about a month now, because like I said, I'm doing this very slowly. The second episode just hit our Patreon, so for $5, you can hear my thoughts on episode two. If you listen to this episode, like it, and are like, eh, still not really sure if I want to pay $5 for this. I will be putting the second episode that I did with Kevin on the Jumpstart Weekly feed whenever episode three is on the Patreon. But after that, they're all going to live on the Patreon for at least a little bit. Maybe I will release them when season two is coming out in their own feed. I haven't decided entirely what I'm going to do with this podcast going forward. But I figured I could put it here for everyone for a little Christmas bonus treat because I have been pretty one piece brained lately. Anyway, thank you for listening. Hope you all have happy holidays. And I hope you enjoy. Welcome to One Piece at a Time, the episode-by-episode podcast devoted to Netflix adaptation of One Piece. Every week, I, every every episode, no, this isn't going to be weekly, what am I talking about? <laughs> every episode, I sit down with a friend and talk about the Netflix adaptation of One Piece, and this week, for the first episode, I have two friends, Zach yes. and Tyler, from Last Podcasts. Yo ho ho, I took a bite of Dum Dum. I'm Tyler. <laughs> I think that's actually a thing. My name is Zach. The Dum Dum Fruit? <laughs> Probably. I don't think there's a Dum Dum Fruit. I've been wanting to do an episode-by-episode podcast of this show since before it came out. I've been wanting to do some sort of One Piece podcast for a long time, but there's never been a good thing to do. And this is both, I think, a decent thing to do and brief. Uh, no idea when this is coming out, because I just realized the writer's strike is still going on, and this would violate the writer's strike, and I don't really want to do that, <laughs> but I'm recording it now, and it'll come out eventually. They're supposed to be negotiating again tomorrow, so maybe before uh, I edit this, the strike will be resolved. Why does this violate the writer's strike? Because one of the people they are striking is Netflix, and you are not supposed to promote Strux Studios. Oh, Okay. I'm just looking up a list of all the devil fruits. I have no idea what any of it. Then it's just all the names, which seems kind of useless. Most of them are self-explanatory. Not all of them. And a lot of them are Japanese onomatopoeias, so that doesn't help you so much. The Dorodoru fruit. Yeah, a lot of them I'm realizing are Japanese onomatopoeias. They ain't all the flare flare fruit. Oh, it's the wax. Okay. What does this one do? Which one? The Horohoro. Fruit oh, oh, the hollow. Oh, that's one of my oh. favorite ones. Uh, if you touch somebody, it brings out all of their negativity. It makes them depressed. Interesting. Usopp defeats the user because he's always depressed. <laughs> Perona is, I say this about all the time, just ask Kevin. Perona is one of my favorite One Piece side characters. But just about any time a One Piece side character shares up, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's one's my favorite. <laughs> so I am a huge One Piece fan. You can hear a lot of my specific opinions on my manga podcast I do with Kevin, Jumpstart Weekly, where we talk about One Piece nearly every week. 
And I feel like that podcast survives because One Piece is still good. <laughs> I feel like that is the fragile thread keeping that podcast going, is that Kevin and I still want to talk about One Piece every week. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot get through a Netflix anime adaptation, though. I watched Cowboy Bebop. I liked that mostly pretty okay. I tried to watch the Death Note one, and even William Defoe being in that could not make me get through more than 20 minutes of it. I've heard tentatively positive things about the One Piece adaptation, though. So, Everyone so seems wild about it. So the, the impression I've got is it's way better than anyone thought it would be. That's fair. Which doesn't necessarily mean good. It just means better than expected. I mean, I think everybody expected it to be an absolute and complete train wreck. So the fact that it's better than expected isn't really a high bar to jump. What's your guys' feelings and history on One Piece? Because I want to talk about our attitudes towards it before we get into it. Like I said, I'm a huge fan. I've watched most of the anime, read most of the manga. Between the two of them, I have the whole story. I've watched a fair amount of the anime, and I've read an even fairer amount of the manga, but like, I don't think I'm anywhere near caught up. How cl- how many story arcs are you in? Did you get I, to Skypiea? No, I don't okay. think so. We, did, we did you get to Alabasta? Yes. Okay. We have a chopper. Um... Oh, no, I'm trying to remember. I, I, it would take me a while to figure out where the heck I left off, honestly, if I But v- Vivi was again. still there. Yep. Yeah, I, I know. You're, you're at peak One Piece. That's where you are. <laughs> Zach? I think I've seen about 30 episodes of One Piece and read a handful of chapters, usually right around for, like, the Christmas manga thing that we did a couple of years in a row. That's how dinosaurs work. I'm not a huge fan fan of one piece i think that's true but i think you saying that almost like implies you like it less than you do i think you're a person who's very close to liking one piece and just can't get into it because like you're a person who like knows things that i would consider spoilers about one piece right huh like you know who gold roger's son is yeah see you know that though why do you know that because i talked to you and kevin <laughs> I, we, that that's not a thing i would i consider that enough of a spoiler that even though you have no interest in one piece i wouldn't bring it up because in what context would i need to tell you that and on the off chance that someday you do get into it i wouldn't want to spoil it so like these are just things you've picked up and i think you're like you i don't want to say this show is targeted at you because you're smarter than the show is but you're the sort of person i think this show is targeted at in a lot of ways that you know what one piece is you recognize it and like maybe this is a way to get you into it i don't actually think it would work like i said but i think you are in many ways the target audience for this show and so it's I'm very excited to have you on the first episode i was actually I mean, going to ask who we thought the netflix adaptation was for the answer is Zach, apparently. I was going to say, I don't have the time to get into One Piece at this point, even if I really wanted to. I mean... Because holy hell, is there a lot of it. I mean, the answer is it's for Netflix executives. And maybe <laughs> Ichiro Odai to be like, you ever have a good live adaptation series, Toriyama? Didn't think so. Mic drop. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think it's for the person who has heard of One Piece, but that's all. Or it's for my dad, who's like, oh, I'll watch a pirate show. When he sees it on Netflix, it has no idea that there's a manga adaptation. I think when you say, what is the purpose? The purpose is to get somebody to be like, oh, I like this, and then go buy the manga. Okay. The same way that, in theory, that's the purpose of the anime, right? And I mean, to be fair, the opening thing on Netflix, like the header, was the sea serpent, and it looked really good. Oh, really? I think it looks kind of bad. In a still form? 
Okay. I haven't seen it in motion yet. I'm talking about the same shot you are. The promotion shot that's like, hey, this, I think that looks bad. I thought it looked pretty good. I, say, I think a lot of this show looks great, actually. But... I mean, the sets are pretty good. You can tell, if you know who they are, you can tell who all the characters are supposed to be. Yeah, when the acrobat character shows up in the bar, I'm like, oh man, what's he doing here? He shouldn't be here yet. He's got to go report to Buggy later. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, there was a reason for him to be there too. They're like tying it together in a way. That's kind of cool. I'm not sure who everybody in the Gold Roger execution scene is, but there is a lot of like, oh, I'm pretty sure that's that person. So that's pretty cool. The characters look pretty good. Like you said, Zach, they look in many cases like like they just walked off the manga panel. It means the ones that don't feel kind of weird to me. I, I have some small problems with it, but for the most part, the casting is good. The costuming's really good. I think the set work is amazing. Yeah, say so Kobe was like probably the most accurate character, I think, which is a weird character to get that precise. I really like the way they did Zoro too. That's fair. Um, everyone's complaining, um, as far as I can tell, about the fact that he's too hot. Actually, <laughs> um. <laughs> I, I kind of get that, but also like. That's fine. It's, it's it's a Hollywood adaptation. What are you going to do? Honestly, everything Zoro does in this episode, I was just like, oh my God, I played this character in high school. He's just an edgelord. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I, I want to get into that because I think they really play that up for the adaptation and that makes me roll my eyes and also goes, yeah, but that's right. Um, I think I ran into a meme the other day and it was like... It was Luffy saying, I left my, after I became king of the pirates, I left my treasure in one place. Zoro knows where it is. You have to find him. (laughs) Ah, that would be pretty good. That would be pretty good. Especially since Zoro's D&D character flaw is he's bad at directions. I've seen a lot of the memes where it's like, all, here's all these, like, Super powerful green-haired characters, and one panel is just missing because Zoro is lost. <laughs> yeah. To- or he's in, like, a Naruto shot or something like that. To the point where in the most recent arc of One Piece, there are, like, three times where the joke is Zoro's like, yeah, I'll get there on their- my own. And three characters are no, you won't, we're going with And he's like, no, I'll be fine. And they're like, you're already going the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't know if the Netflix adaptation will continue with or not, because it doesn't happen a lot in the super early manga. But... I think it does happen in the Kuro arc, so which is definitely going to be covered. I believe I've seen that guy in a shot, mostly because I think every time that guy comes up, I'm like, that is not how you adjust your goddamn glasses. That is uncomfortable as hell to do that. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't do shit, trust me. Kuro's not the worst One Piece villain, but he might be the worst One Piece villain. I've heard they change him, or change that whole like siege thing quite a bit for this. We'll see. Because, like, to me, Kuro is just, like, he's nothing special. And yeah. most One Piece villains at least have something. And Kuro is the one who just, like, even Axe Hand Morgan is, like, oh, he's like a guy with a pirate hook, but he's got an axe. That's something I'll remember, right? And Kuro's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, he's the guy who had uh, Michael Jackson as a sidekick. I remember that. And Cat Claws. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I have to be forced to remember that. So what did you guys think of the first episode? I liked it well, okay, so I liked it well enough that I watched it without doing anything else, um, although to be fair, it was four in the morning, so I was like kind of tired, so the lack of brain energy maybe helped with that, and I almost accidentally started the second episode and was like, yeah, I'll just watch that, and then I realized it was five and I should go to bed, so. <laughs> I mean, I watched it all the way through. There were a couple of moments where I got a laugh, which, Yeah, it, it got some bad. legit laughs out of me. Although I did basically throughout the entire thing have the unshakable little niggling in the back of my brain going, this is just the Pirates of the Caribbean movie. 
unfortunately, you can't make a movie or a TV show look like a pirate thing without making it look like Pirates of the Caribbean anymore. And, like, I feel like the guy playing Gold Rogers channeled way too much Johnny Depp into the role. And <laughs> it's, like, the only casting bit that I didn't like. It does have the a little bit of the other problem that you run into with anime adaptations. There's a lot of stuff in here that just looks... Like, it's fine when you go just anime, but it looks really, really weird in live action. Yeah, I want to put a pin in that just because I want to talk about the specific moments. Because there's definitely a lot of that, you're right. There is a lot of me going like, oh man, there's some good stuff in here. A lot of it is the sets, like we talked about earlier. And a lot of it is One Piece. One Piece is in here and that's good. But there is the, like, this isn't for me. This isn't for a person who loves One Piece. I said, I think it's for someone who could love One Piece and doesn't know about One Piece or is intimidated by a thousand chapters of manga, but can block out some time to watch eight episodes on Netflix. It is a gateway drug to one piece. Yes. But like anytime you're doing an adaptation, the first episode is going to kind of suck for people familiar with the work because the only thing that can be interesting is what they change because you know everything that they like everything that works like it is in the manga like is fine. But it's like, yeah, but that's kind of better in the manga, especially because one piece is so cartoonish. It's such an extreme thing to choose in a way that like. There's never been a good live-action Dragon Ball, but I get why people want to see that, right? One Piece is so cartoonish. It's about a stretchy dude and a guy who wields a sword in his mouth. Like, how do you make a guy with a sword in his mouth work in live-action? In manga, you just draw the panels where that shit looks cool, and you ignore all the emotion between the two, because you only have to see the two panels. In anime, you can do all sorts of exaggerations, and his head can do movements that are physically impossible or would snap the actor's neck because he's a cartoon man. Here, you have to make it... You just have to have him have a sword in his mouth and have him swing his head. And, like, I think they do a fine job of that in this episode, but how much can you do? On a, a lot of it, we were talking a little bit about, like, the CG earlier, and I, I think, like, specifically Luffy's attack animations. Uh, I think they're okay. They're a little Uncanny valley to me. Yeah, okay. I, w- I will give you a, they're a little Uncanny I valley. I mean, they're kind of um, supposed to be that, though. Yeah. Like, I'm kind of okay with, like, how a little bit crappy they look because One Piece is cartoony, and, like, I expect okay. it to look silly. That's super fair. I think my problem is it doesn't look silly to me. It looks like uncomfortable that he's stretching that way. Well, maybe it is. I don't know. Does Luffy ever talk about that? Mm, I don't think so. I think the snap is because like a thing, I don't want to say a thing that's important about Luffy, but Luffy doesn't have like Mr. Fantastic powers. He can't like stretch his arm any way he wants. He has to like physically force himself. Like he, he, if he throws a punch hard enough, his arm will stretch like that, but he has to have the force. So that's what the idea of like his punch is so strong is that he is punched so hard that his arm has stretched back that far and then snapped it back. Yeah, a lot of my thing is like, oh man, what's the point? Because this isn't for me. Similar to Cowboy Bebop, my feeling is in many ways, I could be reading slash watching One Piece. And some of the differences are interesting. A lot of the changes they made, I go like, huh, why did they do that? And they're not like, oh, this is a terrible change. There are a few changes I don't like, but mostly it's that I think some of the dialogue is really clunky that they use to exposit in here. And that's what some of the changes are. I think, unfortunately, what's going to happen is I'm going to watch all of these episodes and then I'm going to finish and be like, oh, yeah, that first arc of One Piece was really cool. I should just go back and finish reading One Piece. Um, And I think, like you said, that's maybe the goal. I think from like the IP owners of One Piece's point of view, that's the goal, at least. Netflix's goal is to drive subscribers, right? Netflix's goal is to get people who have heard of One Piece and are excited about it to subscribe. And they got my $15 for good or ill. 
And given how long this podcast might take to record all the way through, they might get another $15 from me. <laughs> Anything else we want to say before we get into the episode? Oh, one other thing I want to say, talking about how cartoony it is and also how Pirates of the Caribbean it is. I think both of those elements are done really, really good in this show. But where they collide, there are problems, I think, sometimes. Like Alvita's Mace, which does, hey, doesn't look like anything like Alvita's Mace in the manga slash anime, which is fine. Except for like what it looks like is a Power Rangers weapon, which <laughs> totally does not fit the Pirates of the Caribbean vibe. Like it's when you put that next to like really dark rigging but that, you know pirate show shot that's where i think the contrast really feels off or, or even the bright paint or you know the bright pink uh, ship and sail yeah well i kind of liked that contrast that to me felt deliberate of like here's like a typical pirate ship here's a bright this is a pirate ship fighting a one-piece pirate ship <laughs> to me that's like the moment where uh in a batman story where he's fighting mobsters and the joker shows up and like he's colorful and it's a different thing so i kind of thought that worked but yes Whereas the mace, like I said, it looks like it belongs on Power Rangers. And that's not a, like, that's fine for Power Rangers, a show that makes all its uh, props look cheap. So when you buy the toy, it looks exactly like it does on the show. (laughs) It's not super great for this, a show with a budget that's showing it off. So we're going to watch episode one of One Piece, Romance Dawn. You can watch along too if you have Netflix. So what did you guys think of the opening? One Piece has a very like i would say famous opening sequence that they're definitely aping but not copying one for one i thought it was interesting because under my uh impression this whole sequence with gold rogers execution was summarized like it wasn't actually a thing you mean in the original series whereas here we get that as mm-hmm. a scene yes yeah. i do think this is how you open a one piece show because the, it, we see it at the uh, the summary of it like you said at the start of every episode, throughout the manga, we get more and more details on it. Maybe the character I'm most interested in the changes to is Garp, because I really don't mm. know, what, know what they're going to do with Garp in this show. He feels so different, and I don't know if that's going to continue or not. Is that this guy? Yeah, Garp is the Navy officer who is with Roger in his execution, and also he shows up at the end of the episode. They call him, and he's the one who, they're like, hey, there were pirates in Shelltown. On the uh, Muppet snail phone. Yeah. Oh, I love that they made it a Muppet. It's so good. (laughs) That is quite good. But yeah, here we get the full Gold Roger execution. And I almost wish we didn't, but mostly just because, like I said, I think the actor goes to Johnny Depp with his portrayal of Gold Roger. And it makes, like, I don't think, Gold Roger and Luffy are supposed to be basically the same character. In a lot of ways, Is the more we learn, that's the more we learn about Gold Roger, the more that's clearly the case. So I kind of get what they're going for. But also... Like again, and the Netflix series might be changing this, but I don't think they would. Gold Roger goes to his death. Like this is all according to Keikaku, <laughs> as they say. He is diagnosed with cancer and knows he's going to die. And he's like, "Hey, if I go out on this stage, I can have a huge effect on the world, and you know, I can Uno reverse their uh, attempt to end the Great Pirate Age with me." Isn't he supposed to be like some kind of friends with Garp? Yes, and that's why I wonder if they change. Like, it, it is very much that Lupin Zenigata, the enemy of my enemy is our friend, and we had a lot of enemies sort of situation. <laughs> but whenever we defeated them, I was back chasing you. And so, like, Garp being here makes a lot of sense. But I also feel like he should, if he's here, it should be very stoic. Like, ah, uh, like, I, sh- I should be there for it. Like, I- if I'm going to cause it, I, I you know, the, the man who si- uh, passes the sentence should sing the sword sort of thing. But it so, comes off a lot more antagonistic. In yeah. This. And I wonder if that's him playing it up or if they're going to change a lot of stuff about Garp. Or, you know, if the 
guy who's doing this didn't read it and didn't know that was supposed to be the relationship between the two of them. Ichiro Odai is executive producer on this show, though. And executive producer is a role that could mean I did no work and got a lot of money, or it's a role that could mean I am the creative driving force of this show. Is I this don't supposed know. to be a guy here? Because uh, he's I have clearly posi- got a design. I have posit on this. Oh, I know who this is now. I was wondering because of the rose if this was supposed to be Don Quixote, Don Flamingo. And I was like, it's weird they went so subtle with him. This is definitely supposed to be Hawkeye Mihawk, though. I realize. Just, just younger Hawkeye. Yeah, yeah I re- <laughs> Sorry. Currently, there is a young clone of Hawkeye in the manga running around. Who's ah. like teenage Hawkeye Mihawk. Um, <laughs> so when you said that, I was just thinking of him. Yeah, this is definitely supposed to be a younger Hawkeye uh, in the ex- uh, the crowd here watching Rogers die. As Rogers gives the narrator line from the opening of One Piece. And is like, hey, go find my treasure. It's all together. He, he never says it's in One Piece, he unfortunately. Do- uh, that's a dubism, though. Okay. So I, I thought they would use it because I like that change. But that's not what he says in the original. That I found that I left it all in One Piece. He, yeah, he says I left it all at that place. Uh, so Rogers gets killed. You know, you, you've seen the opening of One Piece, yeah. right? After riling the crowd up, and as soon as he dies, everyone in the crowd is like, To the seas! It's pirate time! <laughs> and Garp's like, no, I undid the great work of the last two Pirates of the Caribbean movies. <laughs> There's also a blonde kid. Maybe that's supposed to be Doflamingo. You know, you got all these pirate ships flying, un- uh, I was about to say Union Jacks. Jolly Rogers, and you have an entire contingent of Marines and shit. Why didn't you just, <laughs> you know, catch all these guys as they were standing there? Did you see how how many more pirates there were than Marines at that event? Why didn't you have more Marines? Well, that was an oversight on Garp's part. Uh, Zach, government. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if one government ran the whole world. How inept the police would be. Also, it's, it's a big symbol. They're, they're killing the king of the pirates. The, the, once you cut off the head of the snake, all the other snakes just die, right? So we go back to Johnny Depp in his boat. Uh, <laughs> or Sorry, this is somebody else, also in a sinking boat. This is how the second chapter of One Piece opens. I always find it weird how the adaptations just want to skip the first chapter and flash back to it. Just because I think the first chapter of One Piece is such a perfect One Piece story. What's the first chapter? Luffy's origin, the Shanks. Oh. With him as a kid. Like, Shanks being the force that Luffy devotes his whole life to being. What's weird to me is Luffy talking to us, the audience, about his plans. Well, he's talking, I, about the, he's talking to the bird. That's true. It just looks like it's us because it's positioned us in a way that that's what it's doing. Yeah, we're from the point of view of the bird. But when it zooms back around, it, we find out he's actually been talking to a bird. A male bird? A carrier albatross? They do have newspaper birds in One Piece, so I think that's what it's supposed to okay. be. Okay. I do like that they kept the Ten Men line, if only to get us all the One Piece fandom arguing again over whether Luffy needs one more crewmate or not, because there are currently ten, um, including Luffy, on the like, Sunny Go. Yeah, that's definitely supposed to be one of the newspaper birds. I hope we get J.P. Morgan's in One Piece live action. I mean, he doesn't show up until like chapter 900, but... <laughs> Does Luffy give the original line that he can't swim? No, he doesn't. Shanks tells him in his origin story when he eats the devil fruit that he will never be able to swim now so he can never be a pirate. Man, I just realized that he just, like, kicked out a bunch of sardines and is now hiding in a horrible sardine barrel. He's lucky that thing didn't get turned over and filled with water. Right, because it's clearly not sealed. So he drifts away on in a barrel. Yep, into a battle, like I said, between a one-piece pirate ship and a regular pirate ship. <laughs> 
The One Piece pirate ship is rad. It's a pink swan. With hearts on the sails. Yep. I'm re- also, they're firing pink cannonballs. Those cannonballs also seem to be weirdly small. Like, five-pounder guns, if that. Although I'm not, I'm not super versed on cannonballs. So... Anyway, Alvita's here. I don't super love the, like, bounty poster effect they do in the live-action show. I do love how all the characters interact with it, like it's a physical object, like they pull it out of the way. But I feel like, if you're familiar with One Piece, it is a cool touch. I feel like if you're not, it's just a random thing that happens. Because, like, there's no, uh, like, telling what the currency is. And Odai has admitted that the bounty system is, to him, kind of an analog for Dragon Ball Z power level. But no (laughs) one watching this show who didn't watch One Piece knows Dragon Ball Z or is going to make that connection. I didn't know that was what they were supposed to be, but... He has said there are exceptions. There are people who are wanted, not because they are strong, but, you know, for political reasons, which we go into the story for. But he said he really liked that as, like, a... Because it shows you, like, hey, this is supposed to be a big, important character. So when Luffy defeats them, you know, it's a big deal. Mm -hmm. As bounties escalate higher and higher as the series goes on. So Vita leads the boarding of the enemy ship and then just starts bashing people's heads in with a mace. I do love how cartoonishly far anyone she hits with a mace flies. Yes. (laughs) And the fight's over pretty quick. Yep. This is a long episode. Not going to begrudge it that. So they start loading up all the loot, including a barrel that just floated by that has a Luffy in it. Yeah, I mean, I assume they assumed that it just fell yep. overboard. Alvida is asking about Roronora Zoro, got to seed your, all the characters who are going to be in the ship, and has her Power Rangers mace. <laughs> Was he originally supposed to be associated with the ship? Because I think, doesn't this fight happen in the episode as well? Yeah, well, uh, we, we skip, we don't see this fight. Like, it's implied to have happened. I kind of like this tying together. Alvita is sort of arrogant enough to think Zoro is after her. I think in the anime, she says a line to that effect to foreshadow Zoro showing up, but I don't believe it's in the manga. Anyway, Zoro was on the ship that he booked passage. But yeah, so he's here's the line like she says Zoro must be after her. And um, this random dude is like, uh, your name wasn't on his list. And that pisses her off. So she splatters his brains all over the deck. This shot is so weird to me. I don't mind the blood and like the violence of certain One Piece bits, but this feels so realistic is maybe the wrong word, but the blood splatter and everything after she hits his head feels so weird compared to the way she was just bonking people miles (laughs) away with her mace earlier and all the blood. And like when Zoro shows up, I like the like because this is kind of an effect the manga has too. Of when Zoro shows up, suddenly everything's drawn a bit more like it's Fist of the North Star, and the violence is just a little bit more realistic. So I kind of like some of the blood stuff with Zoro later, but this feels really strange to me. I mean, it's to show Kobe's discomfort, right? But yeah. Anyway, it's... Kobe comes out to clean the deck. He's not happy about it. They nailed the color of his hair pretty well. Yeah, it goes to. Night where Kobe is cleaning off the Power Rangers mace. Yeah, you got to display those pieces. Which is a swan with spikes on the back of its head. Um, It's rad. (laughs) While he's cleaning it, he hears groaning and banging as Luffy wakes up from his Donkey Kong barrel. I know this is a change because I'm pretty sure this is a change because doesn't he initially like wake up in the episode with all of like the pirates around him? In fact, I'm pretty sure that in the manga in this scene, Kobe tells Luffy he wants to be a Marine, which is why Luffy is standing up for him later. But maybe I have made that up because I find this scene to be kind of bad in this show, like this one in particular, where they're just talking. I don't really feel like it does great for either of their character other than Luffy's Goku obsession with food being established. And it kind of establishes that Alvita is who Alvita is. Yeah. 
And Luffy's like, oh, man, I love pirates. I'm a pirate. And Kobe's like, and you don't look like a pirate. Pirates are scum, thieves, and murderers. And Luffy's not the pirates I know. Like, I like the delivery on it from the actor, but it feels very point. Mm. It makes me, it's maybe a bit too much because minor trivia about One Piece is that Odai tried it basically three times before it was picked up by Shonen Jump. And in the early volumes, there was a big distinction between, he had different names for them, but like romance pirates and something else pirates. And, you know, the other pirates were like historical asshole pirates and romance pirates <laughs> were more adventure good pirates. And I think dropping that and the series getting picked up, I don't think that's the only reason it happened, but I do think that was gilding the lily a better a bit. And it's better to just show that sort of stuff. And that maybe this first episode goes into that a bit much, but... Come back to Luffy's origin story. Yeah, I don't dislike the kid they get playing Luffy, but because it's a minute before the like 10 years ago thing pops up, this just felt like we had cut to somewhere else for a moment because it's not an anime and you actually have to hire an actor that looks like the guy. You can't just draw him with a small body. <laughs> mm -hmm. It did throw me off a little bit, but because I know just enough about One Piece to get myself into trouble, when he mentioned Shanks, I was like, oh, this is Luffy. Shanks' crew is interesting to me because Rue looks like he walked right off the manga panel. He's the big flat, the fat guy. They made Yasop black, which is absolutely fine. He, other than that, looks like he walked right off the manga panel. And Beckman looks so fat and weird, it's like he's from a different series. <laughs> also, they make a point to say Luffy is an orphan in this, which is another interesting change. Why is he not in the manga? Uh, Garp is his grandfather who is raising him. Oh. So, yeah, so, like, what are they doing with Garp in this series? And to be fair, at this point in his life, Garp is off with the Marines and is not part of Luffy's life. But like he is sending back money and like ostensibly making sure he's taken care of. Right. So Luffy has no family here, but he's not an orphan. Isn't Ace also supposed to be floating around here somewhere? He doesn't show up till later. When Garp comes back, uh, he's got Ace with him. So that's when Luffy and Ace meet is after this. But we don't find that out for another 700 chapters. So not really important that the show go into it. Luffy wants to be a pirate. He wants to be on Shank's ship. Shanks says he's not ready, and Luffy decides to prove he is by showing what a badass he is and stabbing himself. <laughs> well, because Shanks literally just said, the scars on my face prove it. Yeah, they are uh, They are pointing out that they, they do go into this uh, orphan thing quite a bit. Yeah, so they're going to do something with that, right? So I've always liked this bit about Luffy, but you can't see the scar on the older guy's face, and that's like one of the distinctive things about Luffy's design, right? And I don't super mind that they change it, but I feel like they tried to make it a realistic aging of the scar, which means you barely notice it, which makes this feel like a less of a big deal. Uh, anyway, we cut back to the present where Kobe's like, why would you want to be a pirate? And Luffy's like, why wouldn't you want to be a pirate? Have you been on the ocean? It's rad. Well, Luffy does seem to have on a lot of this more of a uh, just being an adventurer type of thing rather than I want to go murder, pillage, and plunder. And this is necessary for a series in which your main characters are pirates, but a lot of what uh, um, the One Piece world operates on is sort of a law versus chaos axis more than the good versus evil axis. Like, even in this, there's a later bit where Pir Luffy's like, hey, if there are good pirates and bad pirates, there must be good marines and bad marines too, right? Which is very much what One Piece goes into, except for that the marines and the government are super, super, you know... Uh, let's say fascist. So of course you would want to be free from that. And a wife of piracy would appeal to people who are not necessarily assholes who want to rob and murder and pillage. And Kobe's like, I'm not free on Alveda's shape. I have to paint her toenails. It's the worst. Luffy's like, why don't you just leave? And Kobe's like, did you see her fuck off Mace? I guess you didn't. 
<laughs> and Luffy's like, man, if you just uh, let people do what you say, I would have never left my village to find the One Piece. And also, super, super minor, not even exclusive to this adaptation. It bugs me they call it The One Piece and not One Piece. Also bugs me a little bit when you call him The Batman, so... <laughs> I just think The One Piece sounds kind of clunky, especially since the show isn't called The One Piece. Uh, we get some exposition about the Grand Line being a scary place and how no one who enters the Grand Line ever returns. You know, like, lots of people do. Very few people return, actually. Most, okay. most of them end up living there, though. So okay. I feel like the only one is Don Creek and some of the Marines. They're coming back from the Grand Line? Yeah. Well, I mean, doesn't Hawkeye come back from there? Yeah, well, because he's following Creek. Kobe recommends Luffy leave before Alvita wakes up. So they metal gear onto the top of the boat. And there are apparently lifeboats on the stern of the ship. Unfortunately for Kobe's desire for stealth, Luffy is a uh, shonen protagonist and therefore dumb as a brick. Yep. He picks up an oar, knowing that he's going to need one. Turns around and immediately hits, like, the klaxon on the... It's like a bell or something. Yeah. You say dumb as a brick, and Luffy is, but I think this is more about him just being confident. Like, Kobe's like, oh, we gotta sneak around. And Luffy's like, well, what am I gonna do if they wake up? What are they? <laughs> well, no, I mean, <laughs> Beat like, the shit out of all of them. <laughs> his, his general attitude is also that beforehand, but I more of mean, like, ringing like, the bell. Ringing the bell is the dumb part. Because before Kobe is being very sneaky, you know, quiet, and Luffy is just walking around. Like, he's not trying to hide who he is or where he's going. And Luffy's like, who are you? And he's like, Monkey D. Luffy. And she's never heard of you. And he's like, well, gonna be king of the pirates. So. And this is the point where people laugh at him instead of getting mad at him like they will later <laughs> when they know, fuck, that's probably going to be the case. <laughs> I do like that she has her entire crew trained to uh, do call and response with her. I kind of like the small change here, whereas in the original, she's the most beautiful pirate on the seas and the joke that she's fat and she makes them all say that. I like the small change here to powerful to add to her ambition. She's like, sorry, I didn't hear you, Kobe. And Luffy's like, hey, he don't have to say that. He's his own man. I'm a shonen protagonist and I met him, so I'm his friend now. <laughs> Even though I didn't beat him. And, you know, we, we know that defeat means friendship. Luffy doesn't get a lot of friends that way. Maybe that's why so many temporarily betray him before he beats them. <laughs> <laughs> and Luffy is like, he told me you're a, uh, all these terrible things. And Kobe's like, I did not. But Luffy has successfully taunted her. And I really like this action scene. Like, it's shot in the dark. Luffy's just doing some, like, we don't get any stretching. We just get him doing some Spider-Man shit of dodging around this giant club. Particularly, he does this, like, cartwheel, and she smacks one of her own dudes halfway across the ship. And then someone shoots him, and he's made of rubber. He, he How does, did that happen? <laughs> yo, yo, yo! <laughs> and then he starts doing the stretchy things. So how well known are the fruits in the this? The devil fruits. It's kind of inconsistent. It's one of those things where I think genuinely at the start, the plan was there's only going to be one. And then he quickly changed that. The further into the series goes, like everybody knows who what they are. And it seems dumb that people out here didn't. But I think that's just a matter of like, it's a, there's no internet, right? <laughs> well, I mean, so, it could also just be a situation where most of the guys that are in the Grand Line and all that are more knowledgeable than the people who are out here. Yeah, most pirates on the Grand Line have multiple Devil Fruit users on their ship, but out here, pretty rare. But Luffy usually, or, uh, People are usually surprised that he's rubber, but when he's like, oh, yeah, I had a devil fruit, people are usually like, oh, that makes sense. So I think rare enough that people don't think that's not their first thought, but... Especially because they're all different, right? Yeah. So Alvina does the a... absolute worst thing you can do on a ship. She sets it on fire and blames Kobe for it. 
But uh, Luffy tanks the hit and is made of rubber, so he bounces her mace back. That is the one, that is the place I think that looks the worst out of everything we've seen so far. I really didn't like his, like, stretchy stomach dodge. That one didn't look great. When he stretches his arms, it usually looks okay. So Luffy does Gum Gum Pistol, which, like, the calling your anime attacks name is super, super cool, and I always wanted to lurk in live action, but it kind of only does with the Kamehameha. And it only works with the Kamehameha because it has that charge time and that motion. Anytime else you run into what I call the Spider-Man problem, which is if you watch the first few Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, which are great movies, he doesn't know how to make Spider-Man quip because in a comic book, you can have Spider-Man dodge and say 27 paragraphs of dialogue in a (laughs) balloon in that dodge motion and it looks fine. But if you're filming a fight and he actually has to say all those things, he has to be doing stuff the entire time he's saying those, or it just looks like he's sticking on a wall doing them. And the Luffy's moves have a similar problem. In anime, you get away with it because of how cartoony it is and because you can control angles and such. And there's always a feeling that it's going faster than it actually is, that in live action, you lose. In live action, it feels like Alvita should have Piccolo tell her to dodge. <laughs> and she should, because he takes, like, as Luffy's moves are, compared to, like, a Kamehameha, kind of slow. He has to stretch his arm back. And again, in manga or even anime, you don't really consider that because of the way the medium works. In a way that in live action, you absolutely see it. And it at least takes as long as it takes him to say gum gum pistol, which is long enough to duck your head down. <laughs> or, you know, shift to the side about two feet because it's a straight line. Yeah, which is... Even in later fights, a lot of times Luffy's finishing move or like after the guy is dizzy seeing stars boss style and they're down long enough for him to actually hit with them because they get more elaborate as the series goes on. (laughs) So a bunch of pirates decide to be intimidated by Luffy instead of putting their boat off fire. Maybe the pink is flame retardant. (laughs) And Luffy's like, hey, you're coming with me. We're going to get a boat and enough food for a few days. You don't want to stick with these hassles, do you? (laughs) Especially after that. Or on, you know, this burning boat. Cut to a samurai grove. (laughs) With mysterious music playing. I wish they had just used the anime music. They probably couldn't for rights, and I don't dislike the musical score, but it ain't the anime music. Hey, there's Aurora Norozoro. He's just like a samurai. He lights two candles in slow motion and looks very anime cool. And he's like, ah, you can come out now, mysterious stranger. And mysterious stranger is like, people visit these shrines to light candles for the lost. Who are yours for? And Zoro's like, ah, this one's for someone I used to know in my backstory. Uh, and this one's for you, asshole. <laughs> You've been following me around. What do you want? And he's like, I'm Mr. Seven. And I'm like, oh, shit. I know we don't get the crocodile in these eight episodes, but they're throwing Baroque works at me. <laughs> this is what I'm here for. Also, I do love Mr. Seven's costume design. They change it a lot from Mis- Mr. Seven in the manga is like a British governor fop looking, but Mr. Seven is like, Maybe the least important member of Baroque works, so not a big deal to change him. They wanted to give him very distinct hair for later, right? And Zoro's like, hey, what are you, some, like, random band of NPC assassins? And like anyone representing a random band of NPC assassins, (laughs) someone's like, no, we are much, much more than that. It's a high honor to join our ranks. And so Zoro says no. And he's like, membership would increase your reputation and give you class features. And he's like, Zora, like, class features such as a face tattoo. And then he flips him off. Well, he says my favorite is number one and flips him off, which is a good line. Yeah. And like, Zoro would never flip anyone off in the manga, but it is the right tone if you're selling Zoro to a Western audience. Mr. Seven is like, refusing Baruch walks is to forfeit your life. And Zoro's like, well, they should have sent someone better than Seven. 
And he's like, well, I have two swords. And Zoro's like, oh, no. Pretty decent sword fight. I don't like it as much as the Luffy fight with Alvita, but it's not bad. It's entertaining for a few minutes. I do like that Zoro goes most of this fight without even bothering to draw his swords. And when he does, he puts out all the candles in one sword swing. And Mr. Seven's like, oh, no, I'm fighting a cool anime guy. (laughs) I'm fighting a named character. And then Zoro just cuts this guy clean in half. (laughs) Which I... I I feel like there should be more blood or something. Uh, There's like a blood spray under it. But again, it is super weird to me that Alvita beating this guy gets this giant blood stain on the ground. And Zoro clear cutting this guy in two is just like a tasteful little smear. Um, I was just thinking of that one scene in uh, Kun Pao um, <laughs> where he's like, man, that came out in a solid chunk. Shouldn't there be like some guts or something? <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. It is sort of like. Like, it's not cartoon violence, right? It's a few steps beyond that, but it is cartoony in a lot of ways. And I feel like there's some uncanny valley to that that I don't love. At the same time, I don't really want blood and guts in my One Piece show. Yeah. Look, I want every fight to involve Luffy having a trail of blood from his forehead, so I do (laughs) want some blood, but... Anyway, Kobe is now impressed with Luffy now that they're a safe distance from Alvita. Because no one has ever stood up to her before, and uh, he's left... They've left the ship on fire. And Luffy's like, okay, time for more of my flashback. Apparently he was trying to stab himself in the eye, but he missed. Yeah, that, how do you know you're a pirate if you don't have, two, if you have both eyes, Zack? Anyway, Shanks is like, hey, scars don't make men, Luffy. The lessons do. And you're, the only lesson you could have learned from this is don't stab yourself, dumbass. Not a great pirate lesson if you need that one. <laughs> I do love that they gave Luffy his anchor shirt, manga accurate, and have <laughs> Shanks got his nose with it. So Luffy, in a fit of rage, leaves the party and finds the gum gum fruit just sitting in a pile of unguarded treasure. That's an interesting change. Wasn't it originally at the party? Like yeah. Shanks was yep. keeping an actual eye on it? Yeah, they just had all the treasure. You know, they had to pay for all the booze they were drinking somehow. And Luffy just grabbed it and ate it. It also looks like the most metallic, unappetizing <laughs> prop I've ever seen, perhaps. But it apparently smells really good or something. I mean, it looks like it's in the box from Monty Python that held the holy hand grenade. Yeah, yep. It's also apparently tasty in this adaptation. In the original, Luffy takes one bite, spits it out, and throws it away. But that is enough to... Gum gumify him. Yeah, curse you. So Shanks is at the bar drinking them dry when a bandit shows up. And is like, bring us your best whiskey. And the barkeep's like, um, we're out of everything. And Shanks is like, oh, yeah, I bought this bar. But, uh, here, you can have the rest of this bottle. I do like this line. He's like, what am I supposed to do with this? And Shanks is like, well, generally, you drink it. (laughs) (laughs) But the bandit is an asshole, so he just smashes it on the ground. And I do love, again, manga accurate, Shanks' crew is like, "Uh, are we going to have a problem? Everybody lock and load. But Shanks de-escalates the situation by just like, oh, man, you got glass everywhere. You got a mop. And he starts mopping it up. Isn't this accurate? Yeah, this is very accurate. The bandit being an asshole throws some more on the ground for him to clean and leaves. So Luffy, who now is not part of the scene, but is just watching from off screen. That, that was That's the only thing that's not really accurate is in the scene, Luffy is like getting in the way and be like, hey, actively. Shanks' crew gives him some shit for how he acted and they're all laughing. But Luffy, like a 14-year-old's D&D character, is like, ah, you're such a weakling, Shanks, and a coward. I can't believe you didn't kick his ass. I'd have kicked his ass. And the crew just laughs at him. I mean, and Shanks is just like, you know, you don't need to be st- uh, strong all the time. You just need to be smart. Luffy's like, you're not a real man. And Shanks is like, ah, that's why you're not ready to be a pirate. And Shanks grabs him, tells him to wait. But Luffy's arm stretches as he goes. And Luffy's like, oh, man, what the fuck? 
And Shanks also is like, oh, man, what the fuck? <laughs> anyway, now I'm made of rubber in the present. See, I'm a rubber man. <laughs> Kobe's like, now what? And Luffy's like, now you drive, I nap. <laughs> Way better than Alvita, right? Take us to the Grand Line. Kobe's like, I do not know how to get there. Do you know how to get there? And Luffy's like, ah, oh, yeah, good point. Let's go get one of the map things. Kobe's like, maybe I made a mistake when I left Alvita and the ship behind them is just burning. <laughs> And Luffy's like, hey, Kobe, if you could do anything in the world, like if you had a dream, if that was the like theme of One Piece, what would you want? Kobe's like, my dream is dumb, man. And Luffy's like, you're dumb for saying your dream is dumb. <laughs> Don't believe in yourself. Believe in me, who just slapped you. <laughs> Bright slaps him. Now spit it out. What's your cool dream? Kobe's like, man, I want to be part of the Navy so I can like, help people, you know, like the cops do. Kobe's a sheltered kid. <laughs> and Luffy's like, ah, oh, that's cool. That's Luffy's entire vibe. This entire episode is just like, man, that's cool. It's good that you got your own thing going on. You should join my crew, though. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that kind of just accurate to the manga? Yeah. Anime anyway? yeah very much. Uh, Luffy is just a slightly pushier version of Sailor Moon. I'm like, oh, <laughs> he just falls in love with everyone in his meets and is like, you need to join my team now. <laughs> <laughs> Luffy's like, all right, I'm going to help you out. We shared a meal, Kobe, so now we're friends. If you want to be a Marine, I'm going to help you. That way, one day, we might have to kill each other. Say, he and Kobe, you might say they've got beef. All right, you go to the nearest Marine base. I'll get a map. You'll get uh, enlistment papers. I'll get a nap. <laughs> <laughs> and Kobe's like, you, you cannot just walk into a Marine base and ask for a map to the Grand Line. Luffy's like, don't worry, I'm stealthy. Which sounds like something Chris would have said in one of our D&D campaigns. <laughs> and then the ship blows up behind them, and Kobe is like, I, yes, stealthy. Hey. No one can report that you were there if everybody is dead. Yep. Stealth. It's a form of stealth. Cut to elsewhere in the East Blue. Have they even um, uh, established they're in the East Blue? They probably I... did it in a title card. They probably did when we first saw Alvina. Maybe. Anyway, we see Nami's first scene from the manga. It's, it's accurate. They just put it in a different spot. She tricks some buggy pirates. They'll be here later. Why were they on this boat by themselves? There is a reason for it, but I don't remember why. This dinky little, like, cutter. Yeah, they're going back to Buggy's ship, but I don't remember what they were doing. Uh, anyway, Nami tricks them with an empty treasure chest and takes their boat. It's very Nami. Yeah. Those are pretty crappy locks that they were just able to kick them off. I mean, they were not intended to be good locks. Yeah, I assume she bought the cheapest locks she could because this is a ruse in which she intends to lose them. I do kind of love they're like, oh man, not again, <laughs> sort of reaction to this happening. <laughs> uh, then Nami takes out a book of maps. You know, it's like connected to the scene before. Well, anyway, we cut the Minas Tirith, <laughs> where the Marines are just hutting around. That marching step looks more like they need all need to use the bathroom. I kind of love the like giant portrait of Morgan on the side. I didn't notice that my first watch. It's pretty good. Foxy. Uh, yeah. We get some uh, pirates that show up in the series way later on some bounty things. Foxy and Buggy, who shows up relatively soon. But also Bellamy, who is like the most... Oh, yeah, that guy of One Piece characters. <laughs> are these... Do they also have these kind of things like in the in the uh, anime that he seeded him earlier, or is it just a matter of they did this for a Easter egg for people who already know? This I'm pretty sure is an Easter egg. Odai does a lot of seeding, but he didn't do anything this early, I don't think. And also, these are guys who are not showing up this season. So, also usually bounties are just shown in newspapers randomly. So, and Kobe's like, "Oh man, there are all these terrible pirates," and Luffy's like, "Oh yeah, so bad, man. Where's my face?" <laughs> Who takes their picture anyway? 
Uh, there are a number of photo- there are a number of photographers. There's even there's a great bit at the end of the Water Seven arc where they all the Straw Hats get bounty posters, and Nami's like, "Oh no, I thought it was just for a modeling gig." <laughs> <laughs> and also, they can't get a picture of Sanji, so there's just this terrible drawing of Sanji as his wanted poster for a long time. <laughs> And it ruins this one guy's life because he just looks exactly like the terrible drawing of Sanji. <laughs> so Luffy seems to be coming up with a plan where says that there's only one way to get into the base. And it's and not on an empty like, stomach. I'm hungry. To the bar and grill. To bet Luffy couldn't just collect the bounty. So Luffy orders the Goku platter. <laughs> I like how he's already gone through like eight plates while Kobe's obviously still working on his first. Shonen main character. Anyway, Luffy's brainstorming ways to get into the base, and he's like, I could hitch a ride on a bird, and Kobe's like, you are an idiot. (laughs) How have you survived this long? Also, this bar is full of marines. Be quiet when you're plotting to sneak into their base. A wild Zoro appears. You all meet in a tavern. Dragging Shadow the Hedgehog in a bag. (laughs) And orders two bottles of beer. I Uh, like that line of, he's had a rough day. Also, the acrobat from Buggy's crew is here. That'll be important later. I honestly didn't realize that was an actual dude. Yeah, well, you haven't read all of One Piece. You weren't me going, who? oh, what is he doing? Weird. <laughs> uh, so this is a weird change to me. I, I kind of like it. I, in the manga and anime, Zoro is already strung up in the yard when Luffy arrives, and he hears what happened from the girl. And so he's like, oh, man, that's a good guy. I want him on my crew because he was willing to do this for a girl. In some ways, I like it more that Luffy sees it, but it also seems really weird that Luffy just watches this all go down. Yeah, yeah, it so seems Luffy... like Luffy would be the kind of person to jump into a fight like Yeah, this. he seems good for a scrap, right? I yes, mean, but... as a shonen main character, there's a fight happening. He's probably going to get involved. And especially after just what happened with Kobe, I do think him literally seeing the act instead of just being told about it makes it a bit stronger, especially since Zoro is a bit more standoffish in this adaptation than he was originally. But it does seem a little weird. And also, this girl seems way less important. Because also in the manga, the reason that Zoro agrees to be strung up is the implication that Morgan is going to punish the girl if, like, Zoro tries to resist. I thought something about that scene seemed a little off. Uh, so anyway, there's a girl with a crush on hot Zoro. <laughs> <laughs> I do love Nami is also at this bar, and a Marine starts hitting on her, and she goes, too tall. And she's like, ooh, that guy is just my height. I mean, type. <laughs> <laughs> I like how that guy doesn't even seem particularly interested either. <laughs> I think he's like, uh, he, he, you saw how balding he was. They're like, no way this hot young girl is. He's me. short and balding. There's no way she's actually ta- meaning what she's saying. And then he's like, ooh, maybe though. Anyway, girl brings Zoro some chocolate rice balls. Sounds awful. Yeah, that that's kind of the point in the manga. And then Vicious from the Cowboy Bebop live action show shows up. <laughs> he's, I, he's in the wrong place. He's, he's got the same thing Zoro does. Bad with directions. I'm sad that uh, Halepimo does not have his terrible manga-accurate hair here, but I also kind of love what they do with him, with his anime pretty boy hair. (laughs) Anyway, he grinds one of the rice balls after the girl bumps into them and drops them. And her mom's like, say sorry, honey. And she's like, oh, man, I'm so sorry, mister. And he's like, oh, you're so sorry. Blah. I won't be so nice next time. So Zoro, to make a point, is like, hey, you dropped my food. Thanks. And eats it off the ground. Manga-accurate. <laughs> um, I do like what? What's this guy's name? Halepimo. Yeah, he will be Kobe's sidekick in 500 chapters. Yep. <laughs> um, I I do like that he continues to antagonize Zoro, even though Zoro has 
half of a dead body <laughs> in the chair next to him. I think we're supposed to believe everyone buys the ruse that that's just his friend taking a nap <laughs> when he's dragging him around, you know, in one of those portable hammocks. Uh, you know, in One Piece, there are people who are shaped extremely weird, so... No, also, that's a thing that would happen in One Piece. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Anyways, Luffy is watching, and he's into it. And so I was like, hey, you eat the other one. They taste like shit because they're chocolate rice balls, but at least this one isn't stepped on. It's like, and then say sorry for being an asshole. And he's like, do you know who I am? He's like, uh, a marine with a shit haircut. So the guy draws a sword, and Zara's like, oh, guy, I am so tired. He's like, oh, you need three swords, big man? I only need one. And Zara's like, yeah. Fine. Someone needs a lesson. And Luffy's like, ooh, he's beating the shit out of him with no swords. <laughs> Zoro, in fact, proceeds to beat the shit out of a ton of marines with no swords. Again, the fight scenes in this show, pretty good. I like the takes a drink out of the <laughs> mug and then slings it into somebody else. I also like the fighting with the sheathed swords, just to make the point. And Nami taking advantage just... Grabs the guy, she does steal the uniform. He's like, I was going to seduce you, but this is like way better. This <laughs> is slams, far faster. Just slams him in the head, and Metal Gear Solids, or I'm sorry, Splinter sells him away. I love Luffy turns to this other guy's like, Man, look how good he is. This is rad. <laughs> this guy's awesome. You watching this? He's got to have at least three levels in Fighter. <laughs> Zara's like, Yeah, don't draw your blade unless you're prepared to use it. And Tom Alpin was like, my dad will give you anything you want if you don't kill me. My dad is Captain Morgan in charge of the Grand Rum Empire. Which, <laughs> I, that is the joke. But one, in Japan, that's a more subtle joke. And two, they never actually call him Captain Morgan in the original or the show. So at least one thing about this adaptation is that it does seem to know what the jokes are in a lot of ways. Which I'll get more into later. But So after he says that, Zoro has the line of, oh, then he owes me money. <laughs> Let's go talk to him. Anyway, in a super villain scene, Captain Morgan is just sharpening his axe on a grinding wheel while having a conversation with a guy feet away from him. <laughs> a chill dude. He's like, you sent four of my Marines to the infirmary without drawing a blade. Pretty cool. You must have at least three levels in fighter. <laughs> and he says, I didn't want to make a mess. They call you the demon. Anyway, there's a bunch of stuff about you that I need to exposit to the audience who hasn't read One Piece. And you killed a hedgehog. <laughs> Just pay me and I'll leave. It's like, yes, I'll pay you. But the penalty for assaulting Marine is seven days in the yard with no food or water, which, as you know, is deadly. And Zoro's like, yeah, try to arrest me. I'll kill your son first. And his son is like, hey, you can't speak to me that way. So Morgan backhands him with an axe, which is hilarious, <laughs> and I love it. Again, really weird compared to the Alveda braining a guy's head in with a mace, that he hits him with an axe, and he just goes flying. But again, I love it. Almost as much as I love Morgan's office, but I think we'll talk about that more when Luffy explores it and we yeah, see, when it we in see it in detail. Daylight. Morgan's just like, I like you. You seem like a main character. You should join the Marines. Be on my team. It'll be great. And Zoro basically says, eh, I don't think I would look good in a marine outfit. Have you seen how manga accurate my costume is and how much it rules? I'm not giving that up. <laughs> my earrings do so much little jingling that you can't stop and it kind of works. And Morgan's like, well, it would be a shame to lose a man of your talents since no, you wouldn't be able to collect any bounties once I got the word out of your crime. So what do you want? A new career or a new career? And Zoro's like, well... Seven days, huh? Guess I could catch up on my sleep. Yeah! 
bad. <laughs> Zoro is such a tryhard badass, but I do kind of love that for the adaptation. Uh, anyway, Kobe and Luffy have their talk about good pirates and bad pirates and good marines and bad marines. Hey, it's like it's a theme of this entire series or something. I do like Luffy being like, where does the third sword even go? So this is a thing I talk with Kevin about a lot. It's a thing that I didn't notice until the third time I read the the first Zoro story in One Piece, which is the three swords is a joke. And obviously it's a joke. Both the sword in the mouth and Luffy stretching are there because Odai's younger brother thought Dragon Ball was too violent and was scared of it. So he wanted goofy things in there so the kids wouldn't get scared, basically. But the first time uh, we meet Zoro, he basically is like, hey, Luffy, if you get my swords, I'll join your crew. Being like, it's in a marine base. There's no way this kid can get them sort of thing. And Luffy's like, of course, like, all right. And he goes in Morgan's room. He's like, man, there are three swords in here. I wonder which one is his. Well, better bring them all to him and just see. And so when he uses them all, it's a joke. And like, when you watch the anime, you don't get that because you've seen the opening sequence at bare minimum where Zoro's using the three swords. So I do like, even though this adaptation changes a lot of the setup, they understand it's a joke. And maybe they hang too much of a hat on it, but that at least to me says, oh, their heart is in the right place in a lot of ways. But you're right, here they're setting it up. I'm like, where does the third sword even go? And Kobe's like, hey, he was protecting that girl from the Marines. They're supposed to protect her from him. And this is where Luffy comes back with the line you've been talking about. You know, good guys and bad guys on either side. Yeah, the good Marines are Garp, you, Halepimo, weirdly. And Smoker. And the bad <laughs> Marines are a 404 list too long. <laughs> is does Halepimo because I'm one of the good ones because he's been hanging around with Kobe the entire time? Yeah, basically he is forced to go back through basic training and he and Kobe are boot camp buddies and they end up being Garp's apprentices. And Garp is like, I need you to go catch my grandson. Uh, nah, he mostly tries to avoid Luffy because it's weird and awkward family stuff. <laughs> I just had an image of them like at a Thanksgiving dinner and them being like, I'm not sure what to do here. Oh, also there's X Drake who is pretending to be a pirate, but is actually in the Navy and in the Onigashima arc decides to side with Luffy because once Kobe told him like, hey, if you're ever in like a fight and you don't know what side is good or like who's going to win, probably be on Luffy's side if you can. And he's like, well, you know, I don't didn't know what Kobe was talking about, but. He seemed very adamant about it, and it does seem right now that I'm in the situation. So (laughs) So Luffy's like, hey, Kobe, I need some help getting into the base and finding the map. And Kobe's like, are you asking me help you steal from the Marines? And Luffy's like, of course not. I'm asking you to help get the boat ready. (laughs) That way you're only an accessory. Morgan seems reasonable and like he wouldn't murder you for that. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, Zoro's been strung up in the yard. Halepimo taunts him with his own sword. There's just a giant poster of Morgan behind him. Zara's like, hey, in seven days, I'm going to kick the shit out of you. So have fun now. Also, there's indication that Zara's sword is important because he gets sensitive when Halepimo pulls it out. And Halepimo's like, my father will never let you go. You're going to die here. Also, seven days without water is lethal. That was the point in the manga. And also the point that you were such a badass, you could survive seven days without water. <laughs> it's all that shown in training. The Marines continue hutting through their predetermined NPC path, so Nami just, in uniform, walks into the group. I know it's accurate to the show, but it, I find it fairly hilarious that their uniform just includes a baseball hat. Yep. <laughs> Luffy accidentally sneaks into the yard to meet up with Zoro, and he's like, oh man, I was trying to sneak into the base, not next to the base. <laughs> he's like, hey, you're that cool dude. And Zoro's like, get lost. And he's like, I am lost. <laughs> Trying to get inside there, not out here. 
how did those guys even arrest you, man? So it's like, they didn't. Gave myself up. Luffy's like, oh, hmm. Interesting strategy, Cotton. Is it paying off for you? (laughs) (laughs) And Luffy's just like, I know you're a good guy. Because you protected a little girl. Zara's like, but I'm an edgelord. Good guy. (laughs) That is a pretty accurate summation. (laughs) And Luffy's like, well, I'm Monkey D. Luffy, and I'm key to the pirates. Or at least I'm going to be. (laughs) So you you should join me, pirate hunter. Zara's like, um... Why would I play pirates with you? And Zoro's like, you are a great fighter, and I think we would make a good team. And Zoro's like, yeah, I kill pirates for a living. Pirate hunter? Hunter x hunter? And Luffy's like, man, is that all you want to be, though? And Zoro's like, no. I want to be the greatest swordsman. And I am a little sad that they didn't include Luffy's manga line of, oh, if you're going to be the greatest swordsman in the world, I definitely need you on my crew. (laughs) (laughs) Because my crew is going to include all the greatest blanks. Yeah, because I'm going to be king of the pirates. I, 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 I need a number two who's the best at swords. And this idea just says impressive, like wanting to be the very best like no one ever wants is hard. Although that is one of the themes of One Piece, right? Of like, hey, like admitting your dreams, even when they're big, is the first step. And uh, Luffy unties him and Zoro's like, I'm still not going to join your crew. Luffy's like, that's fine. That's what they all say. <laughs> Including that bird earlier. <laughs> He'll be back. So again, weird change from the manga, because in there, Luffy goes to get the swords, and that's what he wants in Morgan's office. But they've decided to include Nami in this plotline in the uh, this adaptation, which does make sense. So now they have to change that. And Luffy's like, hey, uh, I know you said you don't owe me anything, but can you close this grate behind me? It's surprisingly hard to do from the inside. In video games, it just kind of happens. <laughs> <laughs> and Zoro's like, that is a very weird individual. So Nami's trying to steal a map of the Grand Line, which is a motivation I find kind of weird for her, given her cartography deal. But maybe they're going to make something of this going forward. Isn't she supposed to already kind of have one? Not of the Grand Line, but like she is try- she has herself mapped to the entire East Blue at this point. She gets caught. I actually like this scene fairly well. It comes off as kind of generic to me. It's not terrible. I-, I think a lot of it is Nami is supposed to be a great thief, and like that's portrayed okay here. But like Zoro and Luffy get to show off being real badasses, and kind of the first thing Nami does is get caught. And she's like, yeah, I- Morgan sent me to find a map of the Grand Line. And she's like, why would he do that? All the maps of the Grand Line are in his office. And she's like, I don't know. Maybe it's hazing. Which is at least convincing enough that the woman goes and asks her other guy. Who is the guy whose uniform she, Nami stole? And he's like, hey, you're the girl from the bar that knocked me out and stole my uniform. I didn't know you were a Marine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she does do some pretty cool fighting, though, at least. So Yeah, she goes for, or he goes for a gun. Nami rolls across the table, kicks, and then staffs both of them to unconsciousness. And, and she's like, this is fine. My house is not on fire. So she starts splinter selling this guy for the second time in two days when Luffy joins the scene. I do love the bit where Nami threatens to arrest him. And he's like, hey, you're intruding on a Navy base. And he's like, yeah, I heard everything. You're not in the Navy. You stole that guy's uniform. Then you should probably have to arrest yourself. I also love he's like, no, don't hit me with the staff. Like, she's a dog. <laughs> so Luffy's like, we both want a map to the Grand Line. We should team up. We'll just work together. That's how this works. And here he is being stealthy, walking in broad daylight down the middle of this base. Yeah, it's a super simple set. It looks like a school cafeteria, but I kind of love this bare bones base hallway they walk through. It's not as good as the ships or Morgan's office, but it just like it has exactly the right feel. Even these like windows and boards and like all this open video game ass space. (laughs) They duck into the infirmary to avoid 
randos walking past. Yeah, the patrol. And I was like, your plan is to walk into Axe Hand's Morgan's ma- uh, office and ask for a map? And Moof's like, man, I wonder why they call him Axe Hand. Which I think would be a better joke if we, the audience, had not already seen him. Well, I mean, it would be fine if we'd seen him, but not seen the oh. fact that he has an axe for a hand. Yeah, if they Dr. Clawed him and just kept that out. <laughs> anyway, uh, the Axe Hand Morgan is summoned by the use of his name, by appearing in front of them. And Luffy's like, ah, Axe Hand. And Nami's like, um, I was just escorting this. So then we cut to Halapamo naked with Zoro's sword. This scene was important. Going full Aegon Targaryen. <laughs> Why is this here? They just watched House of the Dragon? I thought it was funny. Because this is totally a thing this guy would do. When Zoro kicks in his door and he has to use a stuffed animal of himself <laughs> yep. to protect his modesty. And Zoro's like, give me that. Bad boy. And he's like, are you going to kill me? And Zoro's like, oh no, I'll do much worse. I'll give you an even worse haircut. <laughs> uh, cut back to Nami, who's like, oh, Captain Morgan, sir. I was just escorting this unshackled prisoner in his civilian clothes to the brig. Although I guess they didn't put Zoro in a prison jumpsuit, so maybe the Marines don't do that. Morgan's like, I've never seen before, and Nami is like, um... Diplomacy bluff check. check. <laughs> bluff check. I get advantage on this because my mother was in the Marines, right? Also, flattery check. I'm very good at those. Morgan's like, wise choice. You still think they would call him Iron Jaw Morgan. Right. It would be great if that was the joke, and Luffy's like, "Why? I would call you Axe Hand. That's way more. Why? <laughs> well, it feels like one of them should be, uh, like, they should call him one, and the other one be a derogatory that everybody else calls him. That's fair. And Luffy's like, oh, man, isn't Nami great bluffing you? I mean, the worst. I hate Marines. He apparently rolled well on his bluff check. <laughs> Morgan's like, I would salute you, but my axe is a hand. <laughs> Wait, other way around. And Luffy's like, oh, man, did you see that, dude? Also, we make a pretty good team, huh? And Nami's like, no, nobody in this show is going to team up with you. <laughs> Luffy's like, now, now we just need to get into Axeman's office. And Nami's like, hey, I'm a very good thief. I got his keys. Even though they're old-timey pirate keys. <laughs> and would definitely have made all of the sounds. That's why she's a good thief. Yeah. She has a very high sleight of hand skill. And Luffy's like, man, you've got like at least two levels in Rogue. You should join my pirate crew. And Nami's like, what did you call me? I hate pirates. Yar, even. Why does everybody hate me when I haven't done anything yet? I do like his response. It's like, you only hate pirates because you don't know me. All right, she has a very tragic backstory as to why she hates pirates, but we'll get to that in six episodes time, and I hope they don't mangle it. <laughs> anyway, we get Axe Hand's office in full daylight. He's got this tapestry of himself and all of these There's posters. a statue of himself, like, <laughs> holding a child. Yeah, and there's a 40K tapestry of him, like, with these guys behind him. It's so good. I'm actually reasonably sure I might have seen that picture in a codex somewhere. <laughs> and he's just got this, like, display of axes on the back wall. Yeah, they're, they're all different, like, axe hands for him. And I love how Nami is, like, seriously going through everything, and Luffy's just playing with a telescope, being like, hey, don't you want to find One Piece? It'd be pretty rad. Why'd you become a thief, then? And she's like, well, I needed to eat. You do what you need to to survive. And Luffy's like, yeah, food is the most important thing. And of course, because he's playing with the axe rack, he uh, pulls the secret switch to reveal the safe. I love the first shot of the Denden Mushi we get here, and I was terrified that was just going to be an Easter egg. So when it gets used <laughs> later, I just about stood up. What, is that like their long-range phone, basically? Yeah, those are their phone slash camcorders in this setting. No, no idea why. I don't know if it's a pun or what. 
but they just have little snail phones. I was afraid it was just going to be like a plastic model, and the fact that it is in fact a fully functional Muppet is so good. <laughs> so Morgan heads to the basement and is like, hey, why are you knocked out, guys? And one of them's like, oh, there's a woman who stole my uniform, and a guy in a straw hat who we was actually not here when we were knocked out. Well, he doesn't actually, <laughs> but the, yeah. they did get the cont- continuity that they don't call out Luffy. Yeah, and Morgan's like, my keys are gone. Sound the alarm. And there is a pretty good joke where Luffy's like, you think they know we're here? And Nami's like, nah, they're probably after the other thief and idiot pirate trying to steal a map. And Luffy's like, oh man, what are the odds of that? Before he has a of, oh, you were. You should probably work faster. <laughs> and she's like, great, a man telling me how to do my job. <laughs> Morgan does get into this office surprisingly slowly for a man with an axe for a hand as Luffy sits the Iron Throne. And Luffy's like, wait, I have an idea. I'm very anime strong. <laughs> I do like how Nami's like, that's your idea. And he's like, yep, totally my idea. And then he, he starts stretching. So she grabs him for support. To try to help pull on it, I think. Uh, but then it comes free and his rubber arms rebound and it knocks him both out the window. And Nami is dead. Oh, uh, no, rubber is very pliant, Zach. He would break the fall and he's immune to fall damage. So alternate answer. That's why she's not there in the manga. <laughs> They end up back in the yard where all the Marines are ready to fight them, and we get another pretty good fight scene. Those poor two Marines. They had all the time in the world to react, and then they didn't do anything. I do love how rambunctious Luffy's fighting style is, where he's mostly just spending his time dodging and ducking. It's very like Xena Warrior Princess or Hercules the Legendary Journeys, and I mean that in a very positive way. Only, you know, with a budget. (laughs) Zoro's like, hey, you having a fight without me, guys? I'm in this episode. But they really do capture that spirit that Luffy has in the manga of like, I don't know, I'm going to try this. What's the worst that could happen? Well, I mean, he's a shonen protagonist, which means he's in a fight, therefore he is happiest. I do love how his newest Super Saiyan form power is that physics just work the way he expects them to. (laughs) That's his power now. He's a 40k orc. Yes, but he doesn't know that. I do love this tracking shot of Zoro like running past the battle, be like, well, good thing that's not my problem. Is we we see the whole fight, but we see we're just following Zoro through it as he just walks past it before being like, ah, fuck it. Looks like pretty good XP. And that guy did get me off of the hanging thing. Some of these Marines definitely have guns, and I don't know whether or not using them. Uh, anyway, Zoro is very cool as he joins the fight, and then Luffy and Nami walk up so they can do a pan around them. I love how Luffy's reaction is like, oh, you're that sweet guy from the bar. And Nami's like, aren't you that drunk from the bar? And Morgan comes out in front of his poster to be like, ah, an unlikely crew. Fancy you working together. And Luffy's like, yeah, we're mm-hmm. a crew. And Zoro and Nami are like, no. <laughs> I love how beleaguered Nami's actor looks about <laughs> this. Zoro's very stoic. Like, no, I am a lone wolf. I fight on my own. And Nami's just like, oh, God, people are going to be talking about that time I teamed <laughs> up with this guy. And I cannot believe it. And Morgan's like, ah, you cannot defeat me. I foreshadowed the Black Cat Pirates, including Captain Kuro of the Thousand Plans. You'll be meeting him soon. (laughs) This season on One Piece. (laughs) Does he call that out in the... He does not. I think it might be said by Kuro later, but I don't remember. It might also just be a generic Marine. So Morgan squares up. The, the, The not yet Straw Hats also square up. There's some manga panel-esque cuts. That seems a little out of place, just because, like, nothing else in this show did that. I like it for the face-off, because what One Piece is at its core a Western, but it doesn't seem... Like, I also probably would have cut that. I would have shot that and edited it and been like, oh, no, it doesn't work, and put it on the floor, I think. 
I feel like you would want a haft on that axe at least, instead of it just being right there at your wrist. Maybe it throws off the weight. Luffy <laughs> tries a gum gum rocket, but unfortunately, it's not his the finisher. So Morgan just catches it and throws him into Zoro. This is actually a pretty fun fight all around. Yeah, I think, like I said, most of the fights are pretty good. And this is the first one where the Straw Hats struggle at all, right? I also did not notice until just now that Morgan is wearing zebra print pants. Oh, that shot we just saw, I super noticed that the first time I watched <laughs> that. I was like, oh man, how did I not notice these zebra pants before? <laughs> Zoro's like, I want a 1v1 him, I want this XP. So he was like, fine, I- I'll watch you fight. It was pretty cool last time. But then he runs in, gets in the way. And just barely manages to save Zoro, which is stretchy arms. It's like, hey, we need like a plan. Zoro's like, oh man, this guy's so tough. He's got an iron jaw too. <laughs> so he's like, all right, new plan. I go high, you go low. That's the most plan my anime brain can come up with. <laughs> and Zoro's like, okay, but I have to do my cool thing from the anime first. And this is another thing that just doesn't quite work in live action. In the anime, it feels like the stock footage shot. So you're like, ah, oh, yeah, it's serious. In the manga, again, he has infinite time to do this because it just takes a panel. Put his, he- put his like, bandana, bandana on. Yeah, and then, like, the super slow reveal of the third sword he puts in his mouth. I so hope he talks with it in his mouth at some point in this show. <laughs> it just looks awkward. Um, it does, but I, it's so cheesy. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think... I think it's more of a problem of what do you do with it in live action. But this is, you know, a problem you've always had with One Piece and one Tyler and I have not. Yes. It does let Zoro Kamehameha blast Morgan off the ground now. So Luffy can jump off of him and get a Superman punch in while Nami loots the bodies. And with Zoro pinning him down, Luffy manages to land the gum gum whip right on his jaw. And they're like, gum gum whip? And he's like, yeah, all the best fighters call out their finishing moves. <laughs> Zoro is like, they do not. <laughs> so again, I hope we get some, you know, Onigiri, Three Gates of the Demon shit later in this series. I do know there is a spoiler where Sanji calls out a move um, and Zoro's like, yeah, you're just going to fit in. <laughs> <laughs> so Nami is like, we should find rope to move this safe. And Zoro's just like, I'm very strong. Zoro's like, I have an 18 in strength. <laughs> I do love that little joke. Like, all right. So they all jump on Nami's stolen boat. Which is an interesting change. Don't Zoro and Luffy just leave on their like lifeboat? Yo, they get one from the Marines, because the Marines were all oppressed by Morgan. And they're like, hey, you're asshole pirates, and we cannot help you. Shove a boat slowly toward them. <laughs> Luffy's, we're sens- I'm sensing some tension amongst the crew. And they're like, we're not a crew. And Luffy's like, I need my friend. And then they'll help him out, not with his shower cap gun, sadly. Comes around guns akimbo. It's like, you're under arrest. And all three of them are like, hmm, Really? Zoro just looks like, are you serious? And Luffy's like, what's wrong with his hair? He has a mullet now. I, I like how he's like, I'm handing you over to my father, who he does not know is pass out in the courtyard. Uh, Kobe decks him, and he's like, ah, that hurt and felt quite good. And Luffy's like, hey, the lion's trying to kill us, we gotta go. And Kobe's like, no, uh, in the, the plot I joined the Marines now, so I'm joining the Marines. And Luffy's like, are you sure? And Kobe's like, yeah, I'm gonna make this choice and stand up for myself, even against you. I'm going to make this choice. That way I have new people who I have chosen to tell me what to do. Uh, he does join the bad boys of the Marines. So what? <laughs> he does join like the Marines independent unit that the Marines will disavow any knowledge of if they are caught. So Luffy's is like, all right, good for you, man. See you later. Maybe 500 chapters or so. Kind of impressive that he brought that character back. He brings everybody back. You are right. It is impressive. But 
That's one of the things I love about One Piece is it's Silver Age style continuity of everything has happened. It's just not important until they show back up and it's happened. <laughs> yeah, they leave. <laughs> we cut to an imposing marine ship with a big dog on it. This is, I believe, the McGriff. <laughs> <laughs> Where Denman, Denmushi is ringing. <laughs> and a hand slowly answers it. And it's Gop who gets indistinct chatter. And he's like, pirates? In this the great pirate age? <laughs> Attacking Shellstown. What did they take? Gold? Weapons? A map to the Grand Line. That's way too valuable and suspicious. And also one of them has a straw hat? Couldn't you accidentally just, like, find the Grand Line? I was gonna say, if Nami's mapped the entire East Blue, like, isn't the Grand Line just like a belt around the equator? Yeah, it's very difficult to get to the Grand Line. Like, you can't just go there for reasons that the show might or might not explain. There are very specific ways in, but yes, it, you could just get there. You don't like the map plotline. Like I said, feels weird to me. Maybe they'll do something with it. So Garp's like, "Change of plan. We're going to slowly follow my grandson." And this psychic is like, "You ought to lead on Baroque works." And he's like, "Those are season two villains. This is different." <laughs> I don't think crocodiles showing up this season. A left to the Grand Line has been stolen by a pirate in a straw hat. Is that meaningful? Does he know Shanks? He should know of Shanks. And again, it is a gold D. Rogers hat. And would he know that? Is that true in this continuity? Who's to say? Anyway, we cut to a sci-fi briefing room. The elusive man is being briefed by Shepard on his failures to capture the map. And he's like, and you didn't stop them? And he's like, dude, there were three of them and they were all kind of badasses. They must have been planning it for months. <laughs> uh, then we cut to Buggy the Clown. And the guy playing him is going full Heath Ledger, and that's not the right vibe, I don't think. I, I agree, it is not quite the right vibe. But I do love the way he tears his wanted poster out of frame. Although Buggy wants to be Heath Ledger, he just really, really isn't. <laughs> and he's like, well, that's my map. We're gonna get it back. <laughs> no matter who we have to kill. Which is not a joke. I don't know why you're laughing. <laughs> Yeah. I hope he is way less Heath Ledger when he shows up. That's One Piece. There, There is a this season on One Piece that I enjoyed, but I don't think we need to go over it. No, that's fair. Hawkeye's yeah. Mihawk gonna show up. That's all I care about. Like I said, there are tone issues with it. My biggest problem with it is probably that I don't think this first episode tells a One Piece story. And what I mean by that is One Piece stories at their core are incredibly, incredibly basic. That's why Odai somehow can keep making them more and more complicated every new arc which is that they're westerns or samurai films. The, pri- the the guys in the white, I mean straw hats, show up. They're the good guys. They encounter some problem in the town. There's a, a youthful innocent who they protect, and then they go make the town better. That's what's so great about Luffy's origin, is it's exactly that, only it's Shanks instead of Luffy. And then Luffy is trying to be this white hat that comes in the way he sees Shanks as being for the rest of his life. It defines his morality, and that's super interesting. And in the anime and manga, that's what they do in Shellstown, where they depose Morgan, the asshole boss of the Marines. And the implication is that the Marines are not going to be as big assholes anymore because they've deposed the people who are in power and the people who are stepping up are going to be better. This just ends with them kind of leaving. Yep. Well, and we we never really get like the denouement of like the Marines are affected by it. Uh, as you mentioned, like there, there was like the plot with the little girl and like that kind of didn't happen the way like... Zoro's heroic act is slightly altered as a result. 
Oh, no. It was a pretty fun ride, all things considered, though, so... Yeah, ultimately, I don't mind that I spent an hour watching the show. An hour is a long time. And it also feels weird to me that they're bolting these stories together because the Kobe stuff is so much one story and we're like halfway through Luffy's origin. And I get the idea of seeding it through flashback. I don't think that's a bad choice necessarily. But all three of these stories, because they are three distinct stories that sometimes the One Piece community likes to pretend is one story because it's only three chapters. And it's <laughs> when you compare it to the 300 chapter arcs you get later, <laughs> it seems like they, they don't quite match up. But they're definitely distinct stories. And I feel like this first episode fails to tell any of them. That said, you're right. I like the fight scenes a lot. Like I said, I love this backgrounds and sets and the parts of it that are One Piece are good. Oh, no. I want more Nami doing Nami stuff. We'll see, we'll see how that goes. Uh, we'll see how this, because this uh, this season ends with Arlon Park, right? I assume so. I'm really interested to see how they handle that. Also, how they handle fishmen. What's the octopus guy? Are we gonna Hachi? Get the, yeah, are we going to get Hachi? Hachi's the only one of them who comes back later, so we must get Hachi, right? I don't know how they do his arms. Oh, they're going to be- CGI? Yeah, they're going to be the worst CGI. Oh, no. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's a risk you run in anything when you have a lot of these kind of weird superpowers and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, the Fishmen are, like, extra ambitious to do first season, though, right? That's a big budget for just them. Yeah, it depends on how they're doing it, I guess. Like, are they CG or are they just guys in costumes? They look pretty CG from what It I looked see. CG to me. Okay. Are they Muppets? I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> yeah, what did you think, Zach? You're the guy who's not a One Piece guy. Uh, like, it's fine. It's one... I, I think we use it a lot. One unit of pirate <laughs> show. Like I'm not even sure it is. Actually, it's not. I mean, with it's got all of the themings and whatnot. And usually, whenever they, whenever you have pirates or bandits or anything like that as your main characters, they're played up as more noble adventurers outside the system type of situation and that's kind of what we get here yeah if you had never heard of one piece and you watched this and you didn't know and you you just watched the first episode and that you were at work the next day and you wanted to tell your friend about this show that you thought was kind of cool and you're gonna watch more of you would probably say yeah it's like a pirate show right yeah that's fair except there's this one guy and he's made of rubber yeah that's and really the only deviation from it is a pirate show i'm those guy who uses a sword in his mouth but yeah <laughs> No, that's just standard pirate stuff. I mean, you probably start at least with this one as, by comparing it to Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't know if you would or not, just because, like, if you say a pirate show, I think that's what people are thinking of already. That's probably fair. There's also a lot of people who are, like, ten years younger than us who have never seen Pirates of the Caribbean. I, I feel like there are people like that, but I feel like most people watch that during their childhood. Like, okay, even if they were fair. born right after it, that's an ABC movie, right? And, like, certainly there are people who did not. But I feel like that's still a cultural touchstone in the way that we all watch Star Wars, right? Okay, that's fair. I don't know. I I, I, never... I think that's probably true of like the second and third Pirates of the Caribbean movie, but that first one I think is pretty ubiquitous. I only ever watched it once, so like it it was not a thing that entered like popular culture in my impression. But like I, no one ever talks about Pirates of the Caribbean, huh? You and I are in different circles. Apparently. Like, if you were going to talk about pirate media, what would be your first go-to? Um, I don't know, actually. Muppets Treasure Island? Um. Uh, that? <laughs> okay. We're old. Just talking about Pirates of the Caribbean, that's an old movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't regret starting this podcast series yet. There, like, this show bugs me, but it bugs me because I'm a One Piece fan. And it's not like, oh, that's bad. It's a lot of, oh, that dialogue was clunky. Oh, that's better in the manga. 
oh, that effect doesn't look great. But, like, it's not like, oh, they're ruining it. So. I'm interested to see how they go when it picks up steam a little bit and, like, we get a couple, like, when we get an Usopp, for example. The changes are the most interesting part because I already know, like, this show can't be better than One Piece. Even if it somehow is, which I don't think it will be. My heart will not let me believe that it is. (laughs) But, like, the changes are interesting. And the one thing I knew about this show going in was Zoro kills someone in the first episode. And Kevin was, like, kind of concerned about that. And I was, too, hearing it because it's not the sort of thing Zoro would do in the manga. But this is a Zoro who hasn't met Luffy yet. And also, like, like I said earlier, in the manga, when Zoro shows up, it's all drawn more like Fist of the North Star and there's more blood and stuff. And I feel like the live action equivalent of that is he just kills a dude. <laughs> I mean, isn't uh, like he is still canonically pirate hunter. So it is very implied that he yeah. kill, has killed people in the past. And so. I would like if he killed somebody in the manga, I think that would be fine even. But you would, it would need to be explored. I feel like he doesn't kill people because he's very loyal to Luffy. And he's usually, before he's going to kill anyone, he's going to ask, does Luffy want this guy dead? And the answer is almost always, probably not. (laughs) Anything else you guys want to say about it? I mean, it's not, I I can see where a lot of people are saying, like, you know, it's better than I expected. I mean, I wasn't expecting a whole hell of a lot anyway. But it's not bad. It's It's the best live action anime adaptation I've seen, which is insane a lot. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. So you think it's better than Bebop? Hmm. Let me rephrase that. Uh, The the first couple episodes of Bebop, I think, were better than this, but then it really fell off a cliff, so... You know, I said it was the best one I've ever seen, but I think... the only one you've ever seen? I was gonna have to clarify, I think it's the only one I've ever seen. So, by definition, it is the best one I've ever seen, but um, take that with one huge grain of salt. That's fair. Um, I've heard from multiple sources also the Speed Racer movie is pretty good, so... It's very different, but yeah, the Speed Racer... The the thing about the Speed Racer movie is it came out right after The Dark Knight and Iron Man and got super, super critically panned for that, because it's totally different in tone. It's very wacky. Um, Well, that's Speed Racer, though. (laughs) Yeah, but if you're judging it on its own as a movie, it's pretty good. Okay. So I think there was a... it, It bombed critically, and I think there was a... A couple of years later, a huge rediscovery of this movie is way better than the critical reception was. It kind of so, got slapped with a tonal backlash yeah. from critics. Yeah. It like, did not deserve the critical panning it deserved. And for that reason, I think it gets like overbilled now as okay. a reaction. But it is like, it's definitely worth the hour and a half or whatever it is. So never mind. I, I, this is the second best anime adaptation I've seen. I'm hoping it becomes the best, but we'll see. All right. I will be back whenever we decide to do episode two of this with some guests I have not decided yet for episode two, The Man in the Straw Hat. I'm going to be king of the podcasters. <laughs> <laughs>